They watched. They waited. Now their time has come. Out of the depths of space, the ultimate terror. He knows what it is. You don't know what we're dealing with here. An evil we cannot comprehend. A beauty we cannot resist. Come, be with me. An alien force that feeds on raw living energy. It's already spreading. You didn't stop it. It's too late. Life force. In the blink of an eye, the terror begins. Rated R. Starts Friday at a theater near you. I'm Captain Kirk. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present the winners of the 74th Annual Hunger Games. We are the men in black. I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. My name is Optimus Prime. I am the future of war. Resistance is futile. Yes, a Jedi strength flows from the Force. But beware of the dark side. Hello, everybody. This is Mark Daniels from the Great Pacific Northwest, and you are listening to Treks in Sci Fi. This is episode 651 for Sunday. September 17th, 2017. I'm back this week with another classic science fiction movie. Today's podcast is dedicated to Toby Hooper, who passed away last month at the age of 74. He was best known for directing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Poltergeist, and the remake of Invaders from Mars. Today's movie is Life Force, starring Steve Railsback, Peter Firth, Frank Finley, and Matilda May. Before I get into this week's podcast, I want to thank Rico for giving me this opportunity to share with all of you another classic science fiction movie. I also want to thank everyone who took the time to listen to me today. I hope you enjoy it. With that said, I'm going to play the trailer to Life Force. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. I'll be back after the trailer with some movie information, and then we'll get into the movie. From the director of Poltergeist and the writer of Alien comes a terrifying new film. I'm getting a very small radar cross-section. 150 miles long. EGR's confirmed. Tell them we have an artificial object out here. In the tale of Haley's Comet, there's something wrong. Something ancient. Something evil. Jesus. Something's happening to me. Something hungry that's brought to Earth. She's destroyed worlds. That girl was no girl. She was totally alien to this planet and our life form. And totally dangerous. (laughs) 
just found a body in Hyde Park. Life Force. Close your eyes. I visited you how? In my mind. Let it go! You didn't stop it, it's too late. Come, be with me. Life Force. The terror has just begun. Life Force is a 1985 British science fiction movie directed by Toby Hooper and produced by Yoram Globus and Manaham Golan. The screenplay was written by Dan O'Bannon and Don Jacoby. Life Force was based on Colin Wilson's 1976 novel, The Space Vampires. It stars Steve Railsback, Peter Firth, Frank Finley, Patrick Stewart, and Matilda May. Life Force was released on June 21st, 1985, and has a running time of 116 minutes. And here's the cast, starting at the top. Steve Railsback as Colonel Tom Carlson. Peter Firth as Colonel Colin Kane. Frank Finley as Dr. Hans Vallada. Patrick Stewart as Dr. Armstrong. Michael Gothard as Dr. Leonard Bukowski. And Matilda May as the Space Girl. That's all I have for movie information. Now let's get into the movie. Today's movie starts with the crew of the space shuttle Churchill, finding a derelict spaceship hidden in the coma of Halley's Comet. Sir, this is on. What? I'm getting a very small radar cross-section just ahead of the nucleus in the coma of the comet. I've got it too. Check the lens, Brendan. It's at the limit of my angle of scan. What's going on? You chaps are on an equipment check? I've been checking every five minutes, sir. Radar states 150 miles. 150 miles what? Length. 150 miles long? What's 150 miles long? It's a radar trace. Something right ahead in the comb of the comet. Show me. EGR's confirmed. Looks good. EGR's optimal. Track three on three. Roger. What's the height of the thing? I've got a vertical reading of two miles at least. Ambient temperature, six degrees. Iron, less than 2% traces of manganese. Try and raise base. Tell them we have an artificial object out here. Hidden in the Are you sure you want to say hidden? Tell them it's located in the head of the comet. Keep sending that until they acknowledge. Use a secured downlink. Sorry, Commander. Everything's being swamped by the coma winds. We can't get anything back to base. How long's the blackout period? All the way. The Churchill's crew enter the alien spaceship and find hundreds of dead bat-like creatures and three naked humanoid aliens, two male, one female, in suspended animation. Three bodies, perfectly preserved. They look to me to be like an... Something's happening to me. What's wrong with me? What's wrong? Come in. 
Churchill. Do you copy? You seem to be in some sort of suspended animation or sleep. Hold up, we're coming down. Churchill, Churchill, if you read, there are two nude males and one female. This is Churchill. We have no picture. Come in, Tom. Churchill. I said we found a young girl. Girl? You mean human? Definitely humanoid. I'd say she's perfect. I've been in space for six months, and she looks perfect to me. Dear Bridge, what's wrong? What's wrong? How many do you want to take back? I say we take back all three. One of the dead things in the other chamber. Well, let's see if we can break them free. The crew takes back one of the bat-like creatures and the three containers holding the humanoid aliens back to the Churchill. With the specimens aboard the ship, the Churchill begins the return trip to Earth. Thirty days later, Mission Control loses contact with the Churchill, and the space shuttle Columbia is launched on a mission to investigate. The two space shuttles rendezvous in space, and the Columbia boards the Churchill. They discover the Churchill has been severely damaged by fire. The crew is dead and all of the internal instruments have been destroyed. The only things that are intact are the three containers holding the aliens. The containers are taken to the European Space Research Center in London, where they are watched over by Dr. Leonard Bukowski and Dr. Hans Vallada. Prior to an autopsy, the female alien awakens and drains the life force out of one of the guards. Then the female alien escapes the research facility and disappears into the night. The next scene, we meet Colonel Colin Kane from the Special Air Service. He is there to find out what happened at the research center. Tell me again how the girl overpowered you. She... was the most overwhelmingly feminine presence I've ever encountered. I was drawn to her on a level that... Was it sexual? Yes, overwhelmingly so. And horrible. Loss of control. And the man, the guard, was dead when you came into the room. You found him as he is now. Yeah. And the girl, she came from the ship, Churchill. Uh-huh. She spoke to you. In English? That's right. How would she know English? Now, going back, you say the ship's tapes were destroyed in the fire. No, they weren't destroyed in the fire. That's what we were told to tell the public. They were erased. Erased? Also, the Churchill's escape pod is missing. What's that mean? Did someone escape? We don't know. Unfortunately, the condition of the bodies make an accurate count impossible. Could the heat from the fire have launched the pod? No. What started the fire? The ship's oxygen system ignited. It was a terribly hot fire. 
Yet you say the three cases containing the bodies were untouched. That's correct. Where were they found? In the bay where the space truck was stored. Where everything else was charmed. Incredible. Is it not? Have you examined the cases? Using every technique we have. X-ray scans of the cases yield only blurred images. What does that mean? They're not precisely physical objects. More like a sort of force field. We're a bit out of our depth here. Yeah, the whole thing is... Yes, I know. Incredible. Have they done an autopsy yet on the guard? No, I suppose not. What about your two other bodies? Colonel, may I be excused? I seem to be feeling a little more nauseous than I thought. Yes, of course. I noticed from your door, Dr. Flada, that your area is biochemistry. But I understand your real interest is... Death, Colonel Kane. Correct. Thanatology is the name for it. Death for you, Colonel, is a bureaucratic problem. Who did it? When? Why did they do it? A problem to be solved, am I correct? And for you? Well, I'm fascinated by death itself. What happens as we die, when we die? What happens after we die? You mean life after death? Yes. Is there? What? Life after death. Do you really want to know? No. But to answer your question, yes, I think there is. If I'm correct, the life force is conserved always and in all things, even after death. And you think that applies to what's happened here tonight? Yes. Yes, I do. I think that girl, creature, drained energy, life force partially from Bukowski and totally from the guard. A vampire? It could be described that way, yes. I mean, in a sense, we're all vampires. We drain energy from other life forms. The difference is one of degree. That girl was no girl. She's totally alien to this planet and our life form, and totally dangerous. The female alien proceeds to drain various other humans of their life force, revealing her ability to shapeshift. It turns out that the aliens are from a race of space vampires that consume the life force of living beings rather than their blood. Meanwhile, in Texas, the escape pod from the Churchill is found with Colonel Tom Carlson, commander of the Churchill, inside. Carlson is flown to London where he describes the course of events aboard the Churchill, culminating in the draining of his crew's life force. Carlson explains that he set fire to the Churchill with the intention of saving the Earth from the same fate and escaped in the pod. However, when hypnotized, it becomes clear that Carlson has a psychic link to the alien female. It was a dream. It was a dream. What dream, Carlson? The girl. She visited me. Visited you? Visited you how? In my mind. She... She... She, she, she has some kind of mental contact over me. She's straining me. Tell us about the dream, Carlson. I can't. It's gone. It's faded. I can't remember. Carlson, have you ever been hypnotized? No. Do you mind if I have a go at it? It may help you with your dreams. Yeah. Let's try it. Not now. He's too exhausted. The flashing light. Fine, fine. In the morning. Your vision. Just stare at it until your eyes feel tired. 
You'll feel very tired, very sleepy. She seems to speak to me in my, in my dreams. She, the girl, I feel. What do you feel for her, Carson? I feel very close to her. Is she in touch with you? as if my mind is not entirely my own. If she is in contact with your mind, Carson, perhaps you are in contact with hers. Can you see her? Can you see where she is? Yes. Where is she now, Carson? Place. I don't know the name of it. She's walking. She has a different face, but it's her. A different face? How can that be? She's using a different body. What is she doing? She's looking for a man. What man? Any man. A healthy man. Does she intend to kill him? No. Why not? She's afraid of being caught. How could she be caught? The body would give her away. So what is she hoping to do? She wants to draw some energy from him. Not enough to kill him. She can do that? Yes. There's another mind. Yes. The girl's name is Ellen. You mean there are two people in one body? Two minds? Ellen and the vampire? Yes. She's watching a man. What is the man doing? He's parked. Doing something with his car. Can you see the license number of his car? Yes. Read it out. FMC 129E. Or... R. What does it make of the car? Uh, a white Volvo. What is she doing now? They're driving. Does she ask him his name? She's pulling her skirt over her knees. He's putting his, his hand on her leg. Carlson and Kane traced a female alien to a psychiatric hospital in Yorkshire. While in Yorkshire, the two believe they have managed to trap the female alien within a heavily sedated body of the hospital's manager, Dr. Armstrong. Armstrong, can you hear me? Armstrong, if you can hear me, just say yes. It, it won't let me talk to you. Uh, 
Armstrong! Armstrong! Can you see what it is that's holding you prisoner? Uh, 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 yes, yes. She... Tell her she has to talk to me! Pendithol. I brought the pendithol. Thanks, Lampson. That'll be all. Uh, hold them. There's no need for that. No need. and Kane later learned that they were deceived as the aliens had wanted to draw the pair out of London. As Carlson and Kane are transporting Dr. Armstrong in a helicopter back to London, the female alien breaks free from her sedated host and disappears. When they land in London, a plague has overtaken the city and martial law has been declared. Meanwhile, back at the SRC, Dr. Velada impales one of the male vampires with an ancient lead and iron sword and kills him. Speak up, I can't hear you. The two men didn't die. They jumped to the bodies of the two soldiers who shot them and transformed the soldiers' bodies into their own likenesses. That's the difference between them and their victims. The victims can't leave their bodies. Only the original three can do that. But I killed one of them. 
One of which? One of the two male vampires. One of the transformed ones. How did you kill him, Philada? How? The old way, Carlson. A leaded metal shaft penetrating not through the heart, but through the energy center two inches below the heart. Not steel, but leaded iron. Right, Carlson? Are you there, Carlson? Yes. Carlson? You too, Kane? It is my belief that the vampires of legend came from creatures such as these. Perhaps even from these very creatures. I know it sounds incredible. Do you hear me, Carlson? It's more than a belief, Falada. It's true. They visited Earth before. What about the other male, Falada? He's free. You have the girl? Yes. We'll be with you as soon as we can. Hold on. We'll try. Carlson admits to Kane that while on the shuttle, he felt compelled to open up the female alien's container and share his life force with her. Carlson, you've got to tell me what happened, what really happened on the Churchill. It wasn't Rollins who destroyed the radio equipment and the ship's tapes. It was me. Why? I didn't want the Churchill to be able to reach Earth. And if it did, I didn't want anyone to know what happened. What did happen? I opened her seal animation case. Either I did it, or she did it. I couldn't help myself. I've never experienced it. I was in love on a level you've never known, Kane. It terrifies me. My memory plays tricks on me. She was calling me. Her power was spiritual. She wanted me, Kane. was more than spiritual. She took some of my energy. And she gave me some of her energy. They must have been living off of each other when we found them. There were only three of them left. She killed all of my men. One by one. But I survived. She wanted me to survive. She chose me. Why? Why? Carlson, she's not human. She's not a woman. She'll destroy you. She's destroyed worlds. The two male aliens, previously thought destroyed, escaped from confinement by shape-shifting into the soldiers guarding them. The pair then transformed most of London's population into zombies. After their life force has been drained by the male vampires, 
the victims seek out other humans in order to absorb their life force, perpetuating the cycle. The absorbed life forces are channeled through the male vampires to the female vampire who transmits the accumulated energy to their spaceship in orbit. All those little blue lights going up toward the clouds. They're human souls. How do you know that? I feel it. The process of conversion releases a life energy, and then it can be collected. Collected? Is that what the umbrella is? Collector? The energy doesn't go free. It goes up there. The male vampire is collecting life energy. But he has to send it through her to get it up to the collector. Where is she, Carlson? Over there. I get flashes coming from her body. It's sensitive to its environment. Picks up things. Can you find her? If I can get across to the city. What about the mail? He'll come if he senses I found her. She's drawing me, Kane. I've got to go. Why? She wants back the energy she gave me. When they take on a new life form, they have to learn from that life form. Mate with it, in a sense. The girl chose me. But when she mixed with me, she gave me a part of herself. And now she wants that part back. Kane meets with Vallada at the Space Research Center. Vallada tells Kane where to find Carlson and the girl, but Vallada has been infected. Kane kills Vallada and sends him on his way. Vallada? Kane. I'm glad to see you alive. I reciprocate the sentiment. So you really dead? This time? The only way they can be killed. Where's Bukowski? Dead. How? Like the rest. How did you survive? You're looking for Carlson. Has he been here? No. Perhaps he misled you. What do you know about it? I've been doing some more work. Go on. I discovered there is life after death. How do you know? There is a certain mental transference, telepathy that occurs between the vampires and their victims. Carlson is after the girl. How did you know that? Oh, I... I seem to sense it. Where is she, Falada? Don't you know? Carlson knows. Where, Falada? She's in the cathedral. She's been there since she escaped. Rather a nice touch, don't you think? The crypt of kings and queens. Stay where you are. Stay where you are. (laughs) 
my girl. The female alien is later found inside St. Paul's Cathedral, laying on an altar, transferring the energy to her spaceship. She reveals much to Carlton's shock that they are part of each other due to their sharing of the life forces, thus their psychic bond. I'm here. Now can this madness end? Come. Be with me. I need you. It was always intended. You should find us and bring us to Earth. The web of destiny carries your blood and soul back to the genesis of my life form. Come, be with me. Come with me, Carlson. Kane follows Carlson to the cathedral and is intercepted by the second male vampire, whom Kane dispatches with the leaded iron sword. Kane gives Carlson the leaded iron sword and he impales himself and the female alien simultaneously. The female alien is only wounded and returns to her ship with Carlson in tow, releasing a burst of energy that blows open the dome of St. Paul's Cathedral. The female alien and Carlson ascend the column of energy to the spaceship, which returns to its hiding place in the comet. And that's the end of today's movie. Now it's time for some movie trivia. Life Force was the first movie in Toby Hooper's three-part deal with Canon Films. The other two movies were the remake of Invaders from Mars and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. This movie was promoted and filmed under the title Space Vampires. However, the producers felt that the title made it sound like a typical canon low-budget exploitation movie. The title was changed to Life Force, referring to the spiritual energy the space vampires drained from their victims. Toby Hooper came up with the idea of using Halley's Comet in the screenplay, rather than the asteroid belt as originally used in the novel, as the comet was going to pass Earth in the coming year after the movie's release. Sir Patrick Stewart's first on-screen kiss was with Steve Railsback in today's movie. Billy Idol was considered for the role of one of the male vampires. Chris Jagger, Mick Jagger's younger brother, was one of the male vampires. Matilda May had to learn her lines phonetically for her audition as the space girl because she didn't speak English at the time. Moreover, May learned to speak English during the six months she spent in England on this film. Matilda May was only in this movie seven minutes. And that's all I have for movie trivia. Now it's time for the Star Trek connection. Everybody knows I'm a big Star Trek fan and I try to find a Star Trek connection in every movie TV show I watch. Life Force has two Star Trek connections. The first Star Trek connection is Sir Patrick Stewart. He played Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Federation Starship Enterprise for seven years in Star Trek The Next Generation. The second Star Trek connection is John Dykstra. He was the photographic effects supervisor on Star Trek The Motion Picture. And that's all I have for the Star Trek connection. Here are my comments about today's movie. I watched the 2013 Blu-ray release from Shout Factory. The picture and sound quality are excellent. And this Blu-ray is loaded with bonus features. It comes with the theatrical cut and the director's cut of the movie. It comes with two audio commentaries, one by director Toby Hooper and one by makeup effects artist Nick Molly. It also comes with interviews with Matilda May, 
Steve Rylesbeck, and director Toby Hooper. It comes with two theatrical trailers, a TV spot, and a still gallery. Life Force is one of those underrated science fiction movies that was always on TV in the 80s. It received negative reviews on release in the United States. The budget for the movie was $25 million, and it barely made $11 million in the United States. This movie is considered a flop, but it became a cult classic. I like Life Force. I think it's a great movie. Like I said earlier, I remember seeing this movie for the first time in the 80s. It was either on Showtime or HBO. I can't remember which one. But it's a great movie. It starts off as an alien movie, then turns into a vampire movie, then turns into a zombie movie. It's got a great story. Think about it. It's got a space shuttle on the mission to investigate Halley's Comet and finds a derelict spaceship full of bat creatures and three naked humanoids. So they bring the humanoids back to Earth, not knowing that they're space vampires, and unleash this on the Earth. That's a great movie. Uh, the cast, I think everybody in the cast did an excellent job, especially Steve Railsback. I really liked how he played the possessed Colonel Carlson, and he was he was really good in the role. I also liked Peter Firth. I thought he did an excellent job. And there's a funny thing about Peter Firth. I always get him confused with Colin Baker because they look so much alike. And I always thought for years, I thought Peter Firth was the sixth doctor, but I was wrong. But Firth and Railsback acted great together. They were great in this movie. Um, the person that I think that who did the best was Matilda May. I think she was excellent in this movie, not because she was naked, because if you watch the movie and you see how she moves and she's it's unnatural, she looks robotic, which is very cool because she's an alien. So she wouldn't walk like a normal person. The special effects in this movie were excellent as well. The interior of the spaceship at the beginning of the movie it looks like inside blood vessels or something, which was really cool because they're vampires and they suck blood, but the inside of their spaceship looks like veins, which was very cool. Um, they were, did some really great wire work when the astronauts were inside the alien spaceship and they were hanging from the wires, looked like they were floating. That was really, really cool. Um, the alien chamber inside the alien spaceship where the, where the crystal structures were kept, where they find the three humanoids, that was very, very cool looking. Um, the makeup for the zombies. That was really, really good. Uh, they have a couple scenes with the animatronics of the drained victims. And they have a man and a lady. And those really look cool. How they sit up and move and stuff. And it's just a bunch of wires and guys under tables. But it was really cool. And then they have the special light effects that they have when your life force is being drained. And it's really, really cool. But like I said, the special effects in this movie are really, really good. Top notch. Another thing I liked about the movie was the score. I really enjoyed the score. It was composed and conducted by Henry Mancini. And you're probably going, Henry Mancini? Didn't he do the Pink Panther? Yes, he did the Pink Panther. And it was performed by the London Philharmonic Symphony, which it's, it's an outstanding track. Um, overall, I, like, I think Life Force is a great movie, and I really enjoyed it. I would recommend this movie to all science fiction fans. On a scale from 1 to 10... I'm giving this movie a solid eight. And those are my comments about today's movie. Before I end this week's podcast, I want to thank Rico for giving me this opportunity to share with all of you another classic science fiction movie. I also want to thank everyone who took the time to listen to me today. I hope you enjoyed it. Rico will be back next week with a Skype cast on Star Trek Discovery's pilot episode. I'll be back soon with another classic science fiction movie. 
I'll end today's podcast with the main title theme from Life Force, and it's performed by the City of Prague Philharmonic Orchestra. Until then, everyone take care. This is M5, signing off.